Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. It's really important for us to look at our moms differently, that they are women just like us, with a story just like us, and they most likely did the best they could with whatever tools they had. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. Let's face it. When it comes to mothers and daughters, things can get a little complicated. Whether your relationship with your mom is close or non-existent, it's one of life's most important and defining connections. But because we're all imperfect human beings, even the healthiest mother-daughter bond can be a source of tension and heartache. Mother-daughter relationships, that is what we're talking about today. And helping me unpack this topic is Debbie Alsdorf. Debbie is an author of 14 books, several curriculums, and has even been featured on the Today Show. She's a national speaker featured on the Aspire Women's Tour, and she coaches women and writers. After spending most of their life in California, Debbie and her husband have moved to Arizona. And together, they have raised a blended family of four children who have blessed them with 10 little ones who affectionately call her Grammy. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, Debbie. Hi, Jill. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you. And you and I were talking before I pressed record about when we first met. And it's really kind of a funny story. Uh, I think our listeners deserve to hear the funny story of how we met. (laughs) Uh, It was years ago. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know how long ago. It might have been 15 or 20 years ago. Probably 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this conference that authors used to go to. It's not really the same as it used to be. It was called CBA, Christian Booksellers Association. And I think we were at that conference and... Uh, we were both rooming. Well, let's see, there was a need for one of us to stay the night. I can't you, even remember. I was rooming with Julie. So Julie and That's I had a room and okay. you needed a place. Just yeah. for one night, I think. Yeah. Yes. Like it was like one night. And so, yes. So you got up in the in the middle of the night and because you had a flight out 
really yeah. early in the morning. Like you woke up yeah. at like 3 a.m. or something like that. And you were real quiet and and you went into the bathroom. Well, Julie and I were sleeping in the same bed and you'd been sleeping in your own bed. And so I heard you get up. I knew you were getting up and you were going to leave <laughs> for the airport. <laughs> And I thought, oh, I'm going to be a lot more comfortable if I go over and just sleep in that other bed so that Julie and I aren't sharing. But little did I know, you realized that you were up too early. Right. And then, <laughs> you didn't need to be up that early. And so you turned off the light and you came over and crawled back in bed. But you didn't know I was in your bed. <laughs> That was oh pretty funny. Oh my gosh. It was hilarious. And I screamed, you screamed, uh, 3 a.m. All three of us were awake. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, and that's how we got to know each other in a very intimate way. <laughs> oh my gosh. And since then, we have walked through so much. Um you know, we are both women's ministry leaders and our sons are both um, musicians. And that's been fun to watch them develop their talents. You and I walked through breast cancer at yeah. almost the same time. Yeah, just months apart. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, um, so we have had our lives intersect in a lot of different ways. So I'm mm -hmm. thrilled for us to have this opportunity to talk today. So you've written a unique book and the title of it, Debbie, is It's Momplicated, yeah. <laughs> which is a play on the word complicated. It's momplicated. Yes. So talk about this book and why you wrote it and what why like what was the story behind it right so obviously complicated is a play on the complicated mother relationship and so that's where that came from and the publisher came up with that title they were so excited about that but the reason the book came to be was actually my agent uh, approached me she had heard me speak at a conference. And um, as I was speaking, I give an example for women that helps uh, sum up my mother-daughter relationship between me and my mother and the pain that was there. And I talk about a time when I was homecoming queen as a senior in high school and how my mother said they must have miscounted the vote. So that's the short version. But when I say it in long version form, telling the whole story about a teen twirling around, holding out the crown and my mother saying that, the whole room, all the air gets sucked out of a, a room full of women and you can feel it. It happens every time. And so many women over many years have told me, oh, my mom was your mom or, you know, I had such a similar experience, just a different story. And my agent was watching that go on. So she took me for coffee and she said, I, I really would like you to write a book about mother, the, the mother wounds uh, between, you know, uh, women. And mm. I said, gosh, I never wanted to do something like that. And then she said, but I think it would be really great if you would do it with a therapist to give it legitimacy and research and all of that. And she goes, do you know anyone? Well, I knew right who to ask because my good friend, uh, Joan, who wrote the book with me, she is a therapist. And she had told me for years that it is so weird how women come in for something else their marriage their friendship their church hurt whatever you know yep. their hang-ups and by the third visit they're on to the mother-daughter thing 
Mm-hmm. And they never intended to come in for that. But as they get into where, why is this triggering? Where is this initially coming from? It's deeper. And so she said she had long known that there is a real thread in, in the way our mothers affect us in the mother-daughter relationship. So actually, um, my story was actually very painful with my mom, and it ended up getting healed, which I'm so grateful for. Mm. Jones. Joan had like the, she thought she had the leave it to beaver mom until we started writing the book and unpacking things. And she realized, oh my gosh. And so, so this book was such a treasure to actually write, uh, for her to bring the research in for us to tell other women's stories, to tell our stories open and vulnerably. And so, uh, that's how it happened. Our heart was just that every woman is a daughter. Yes. And as daughters, most of us need some kind of healing. We can be best friends with our mother, but we might need something that we've never received. Mm -hmm. And if we don't go and kind of examine that relationship, you're exactly right. We may be missing pieces. And the same thing happens with Mark and I in our marriage coaching. I mean, Mm -hmm. it, it is astonishing to me, um, in most of our marriage coaching, we go back and whether it it could be a father wound or a mother yes, wound, yes. either one, yes. uh, but that is playing out in the marriage relationship somehow. Yes. Yeah. And it's amazing, it's, isn't it? It is. It's yeah. really important for us to understand that you use in your book, you use the term um that a mother imprints a daughter. Yes. Um, that's also a terminology that... um the that that's a that's an attachment theory terminology right um i recently did a podcast episode with uh mylan and kay yurkovich authors of how we love and they talk Mm -hmm. a lot about the imprint of your childhood and um so talk a little bit about a little bit more about imprints and what that means So from the time we're very young, whoever our primary care, like you said, it could be the father, but our primary caregiver, which is usually a mother, they are imprinting us. They they are forming us with how they treat us, how they are connected to us or not connected to us. Um, There are some definite things that we need from a very young age. We need their presence. We need to be kept safe, feel like we're safe with them. We need them to lead us and guide us. And we need a mother who will celebrate us. And so um, we get imprinted sometimes the opposite of all of this. And so, for instance, for me, um, my mother, um, it turned out when we our relationship got healed later in life and we were able to be honest as two adult Christian women, she never wanted me. And uh, she felt very stressed about having me. Uh, I have a sister who is 12 years older, so she was getting ready to, you know, be a teenager. And my mom was good with that. They were very close, but she didn't want to have another baby. And um, anyway, so she made a decision from the time I was six months old that she would provide for me, but she would never give me her heart. And she wasn't a believer at that time that this is just the stubborn decision she made. Wow. So she made sure I had everything I physically needed, but she never gave me herself. So a reason I'm using that as an example, that formed me. That that informed me um, of who I thought I was growing up. And so two sides to that, like, um, so I grew up with really bad rejection issues. I didn't know how to call it that. Then I understand it as an adult. Mm-hmm. Of course that affects your relationships. Uh, it creates deep insecurity. 
Uh, But as children, we don't know how to express that deep insecurity. So it can go for me, it went into a hyperdrive of being um, an overachiever. Yes. So then that shaped me that I was worth nothing unless I was achieving. So you can imagine like all of this way that we're shaped in childhood, we get to a certain age if we never know that that wasn't healthy. And when we never know that those are just childish childhood imprints that we need to learn to ask Jesus to heal or to put aside, we continue our whole adult life living out of them. Yes. So, so imagine like women listening, if if a woman is living out of a rejection issue, and we do blended family coaching. So I see this uh, sometimes with uh, children of divorce. Yes. They grow up with rejection issues because they feel a parent have, has left them, right? Mm-hmm. So a female growing up with these rejection issues, she will have high expectations that can't be met, uh, mm-hmm. easily offended, uh, trouble attaching with people. You can see it goes on and on how it affects us. And one of the things that we say in the book, though, that it's so important to remember because I, I love your no more, no more perfect moms. There's no, no, there's no perfect anything, right? Right. And so this isn't about like mother bashing because Joan and I, in writing this, we're mothers ourselves. But what we had to come to the place of, it's really important for us to look at our moms differently, that they are women just like us. Yes. With a story just like us. Yes. And they most likely did the best they could with whatever tools they had. Yep. So my mother had her own hurts and she didn't have good tools in handling life. So her tool was, I'm going to shut her out. Mm-hmm. And if I shut her out, but I take care of her, she has a roof over her head, but I'm going to keep her shut out from my heart, then it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very interesting for women, a lot of times we can have a very painful relationship with mom growing up. But the once we start having children, yes. uh, we need our mother in a different way. We see her differently. And a lot of times she becomes our best friend, which was the case with me. My mom and I became so close and she was a wonderful grandmother. What mm-hmm. she lacked in being a mother, she made up for in being a grandmother. But we never discussed the pain between us until as she got older, some of the ugliness was seeping into our relationship and it was triggering a lot of childhood pain that I had with her. And we had to have a healing conversation as two adult women, like what has ever been going on our whole life between us. Wow. So how did that conversation happen, Debbie? Because I I would imagine that some that are listening are like, how did that even happen? Well, my mother, when she was elderly, she became ill and she came to live with us, with me, my husband and kids. And uh, that was my husband's idea. I wasn't keen on it, not because I'm evil, but because I just knew that our relationship was wrought with problems if we got too close, right? Yeah. Um, So, but anyway, uh, she was living with us and she almost died. She was in the hospital and she almost died. And I watched this one day in the waiting room, how my sister and I had a very different experience of that day. My sister was crying all day because they were so close. I was crying because I loved my mother. But worse than that, if she dies, I will never know what was wrong with me. 
Mm. You see, my sister didn't have that complication. They were close. For me, it was like I could never get her to fully sync with me. And so it must be me. It's never our mother, mother sacred. It must be me. And so I was telling a therapist that I was seeing at the time going for blended family issues. And I was telling a therapist about that day in that waiting room. And he said to me, it's time. I'm like, it's time for what? He goes, you need to go into her and say, you're living in our home. And I love you very much. But there's always been something wrong between us. And when I thought you were going to die, my reaction was, what is wrong with me? How will I live my whole life never knowing what is wrong with me? And she began crying, which my mother was not emotional, not a crier. And bottom lip began quivering. She began streaming tears, looked the other way and just said, I never wanted you to know. And so she just got honest with me and told me the story that I never wanted you to know I was in an unhappy marriage. I didn't want to be married, but then I had you that had to stay in the marriage. And, you know, she just began telling me the whole story and told me the commitment she made when I was six months old, which blew my mind. I started crying, not because I was mad at her, but I thought this poor woman. This is a sad story because, mm -hmm. you know, we, we know so much more now about women having children. She probably had postpartum depression. Right. You know, this was in the 50s. Nobody talked about that. She probably right. didn't understand why she couldn't cope with me and why she had to, like, just keep shut me out of her life. Right. Yes. And so I started seeing her through different eyes. Like, I always mm -hmm. loved her. But I, but I, she was complicated, and, but I always loved her. And I started seeing like, oh my gosh, she has her own story. So if I could say something to anyone listening to this, that has problems with your mother and your adult relationship. I mean, she's maybe, you know, she's not perfect, right? But she mm -hmm. is a woman that has her own story and her own pain. And she may never admit her own pain or even be aware of her own pain. But if it's being acted out on you, yes. it's not you, it's her. Mm -hmm. And so what do we do? Do we blame that person that gave us birth forever or do we seek healing? And if we can't heal it with them, do we seek to grow ourselves so that we can learn how to live out a loving relationship with somebody who's just as imperfect as us? Yes. Yes. And we, you know, you said this earlier, but I, I want to reiterate this. We don't look back to blame, but we look back to understand. Yes, absolutely. Right. Because it's not to cast blame, but it is, it's to understand. And boy, when you got the whole story, you began to understand this at a, from a completely different place, from a place of compassion. Really? Totally. And it really did set her free. She lived a few years after that and we became closer than ever. And if I'm going to be honest here, you know, especially, you know, at certain times of the year, but every day I think of her and she's been gone over 20 years and every day I think of her every day. I miss her. Um, I wish we could have continued to experience the kind of relationship we ended up with that honesty freed her too. an example of that would be, I just told you that some of the research that Joan brought to the table is that we, as women like we need a mother who will celebrate us not a woman who's not going to vote for us and compete with us but a woman who will celebrate us right mm -hmm. and so my and there's some other research that's in the book about how it's very important for daughters to know that their mother thinks they're okay as as a girl as a woman thinks mm. they're pretty thinks they're smart that's very important woman to woman because yes. they are our role model and we need to be accepted by them that helps us be healthier and yes. to thrive more so 
my mother, for instance, never once my entire life told me I was pretty. Well, I didn't know that there's research about that and that a girl needs to know that from her mother. Um, and uh, after we healed, uh, when my mom was on hospice towards the end of her life, one night I came in after going out to dinner with somebody. So I was dressed up. The little hospice light was on. She was in her hospital bed and I walked in the room and she looked up and she said, you're pretty. And then she said, you're pretty, 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 pretty. She just, she just was exhausting herself saying the word pretty. My husband and I both wept because oh, we knew it was happening that bet. she came to a place in her life where she's like, and then after she couldn't say it anymore, she said, why did I take, why did I wait so long to tell you what I really felt about you? So that was another key. Our wow. mothers, if they hurt us, they're not evil people. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're just locked up. Yes. They just are locked up. And she said, why did I wait so long to tell you how I always felt about you? And then she began telling me, don't you think I saw you as a child trying to get my attention? Don't you think I thought you were a pretty little girl? Don't you think I thought you were a good girl when you got all those A's to get my attention? She goes, I just couldn't let you in. Wow. And so... Was she a horrible person or was she just a hurting person? And I believe she was a person created in the image of God and that she was just a hurting person that needed healing. Yes. And that helped absolutely. me to heal. If I have that frame of reference, that mm -hmm. helps me to heal. Yes. And you know, the word that's kind of almost coming to my mind is uh, the, the word uh, vow, your mother made a vow. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, she made a she, vow. She went to a church and she spoke with a priest who told her she had to, she didn't want me. And the priest said, well, you can't just get rid of her. Mm -hmm. And so they came up with this arrangement together. Well, okay, I can't get rid of her. I'll take care of her, but she can't have my heart. And they agreed on that together. And, and that sweet priest, for some reason, thought that was a good agreement at that time. Mm -hmm. And... She lived it out. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. So, you know, it's possible that somebody's listening today and they have a very complicated relationship with their mother, but their mother hasn't been willing to have that conversation. Um, maybe their mother doesn't, like you said, you could have a conversation as two adult Christian women. Yeah. And, maybe that isn't possible for someone right. that's listening. So talk about that because one of the things that you say is that it's possible for a daughter to be who God wants her to be, even if her mom isn't who she needs her to be. Can Absolutely. You, can you yes. talk about that a little bit? Yes. Well, first of all, it's possible because I believe that all those things that we needed, that Jesus wants to heal us by giving us those things in him. So that's like a separate thing. But with our mother, when she's not available for healing, either she's passed away or she's not well. She's yes. not open. She will not even allow this to happen. Then this went, this is when we take the responsibility within our own heart to find the healing that we need. And so I would strongly suggest uh, talking to a good counselor or therapist, but on a practical thing, one of the things that I was led to do through the counselor I was going to uh, before my mother and I ever had that talk, I never knew that talk was going to happen. So, and I was trying to heal for years of, of, of the effects of my childhood. And mm -hmm. so uh, journaling helps writing letters to your mother that she will never see. Okay. And this helps, especially if they're passed away. 
writing letters. I mean, I just did that a little bit this week, you know, writing letters about my bad Christmas memories, you know, like in, in trying to have understanding why things trigger me at certain times of the year. Mm. But but writing just an honest letter, like to mom, like you're actually writing to your mom, but you have the freedom to tell her all the things that have hurt you. And uh, it's shocking how freeing that is. It's a letter that no one's ever going to get. If your mom mm-hmm. is willing to have a relation, I mean, to have that conversation with you, um, we, we talk about it in the book, we talk about how you can have that healing conversation. But one of the main things is, is that you don't go into that conversation from a place of blame or pointing fingers. Mm. You go into the conversation from a place of you are my mother. Yes. And I will always love you. Yes. But our relationship is tricky. Can we yeah. talk about that? Yeah. And, that- and they might they might not be available, but you know, nobody is going to be open to any kind of healing relationship on any subject if we go in with guns blazing blame, right? Yes. Nobody wants shame and blame laid on them. But right. if they understand that as an adult woman, I understand being a mother's heart, because let's face it. Because we do know there's no perfect mom. All of us have made, I've made mistakes with my own children. Why would mm-hmm. I want to bash a mother? I think it's <laughs> it's a very hard road that, that we don't really sometimes know how to maneuver. So right. understanding that if we can treat our mother with that kind of grace. Yes. The same kind of grace that we would want when our kids come to us. Because they will. Yeah. Yes. And I think of that even as reassurance too. Those are reassuring words right there at the beginning yeah. of that conversation. Yeah. Yes. I love you. You are my mother. Yes. I I want to honor you. Yes. But I'd really like to unpack why our relationship has been so complicated or tricky, as you said. Right. And that makes such a difference because it's going in with that reassurance first. Yeah. Um because if you don't, you, you're right, guns blazing. And then that what that does is it puts the other person on the defensive. Yes. And you're not going to get anywhere. Right. And there are some cases, and I know a few, even right now in my own life, a few women I know who their mothers will just absolutely not, their mothers have disowned them for whatever reasons, and they will have their own you know, problem, and they will not even... Uh, enter into any kind of kind of conversation and those women are really hurting yes. and so in those cases when you cannot make it happen uh, with a mother uh, to go along with a conversation or be open to you then at that time it's when you, you really need to find a trusted person who will walk alongside this with you mm-hmm. and listen to some of your pain because honestly um, being able to process Mm-hmm. some of the pain so that we can let go of it. Yes. So that yes. we're not we're not talking about it our whole life because you know that's a whole other thing. If we've been imprinted and affected as as children about certain things it's because it's the constant repetition. So now if we're going to be adults and we're going to constantly be repeating like how our mother drives us crazy or whatever, well that is just creating more negative pathways in our brain and we don't want that anymore. Right. We want to be able to identify it and be able to heal from it. Mm-hmm. And Debbie, you don't grow out of this. That's no. the, that is the thing. Like, you know, it's amazing to Mark and I, but I would say that probably 40% of the couples that we do marriage intensives with maybe between 30 and 40% 
are in their 70s. Wow. That's amazing. I kid you not. Wow. In their 70s. And as we dig into their dynamics in their marriage relationship, it goes back to childhood. So here you have a man, a woman in their 70s that because they never did it earlier in their life, because they never found that healing that you're talking about earlier in their life, they are still carrying those wounds and those wounds are affecting, you know, when you struggle with rejection because you were rejected by a primary uh, caregiver in your life, or you experience some sort of rejecting actions. And when you, um, then you see the world through the lens of rejection. Absolutely. Absolutely. When your kids say um, that they can't come home for Christmas, then you don't view that as just information. You view that as rejection. That's a perfect example. Perfect example. And so you can see how it starts affecting everything, you know, in your life. And, you know, the the other thing that I would want to say, too, is as a Christian woman, I think that as Christians, sometimes we don't stop to take a look at what we need healing from. We just barge ahead in our Christian walk. Oh, I am new in Christ. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. It does not matter what happened to me when I was a child. But I would like to say this. Why then did the Apostle Paul even say, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I acted like a child, I reasoned like a child, but as a man, I'm putting away childish things. So admitting that there is a way that we learn to live as children, but when we grow up, we have to evaluate that and put it away. Or we're going to keep living like children. And if we are adults living like children, we are not going to have happy relationships in any of in any of our relationships. Yep. Yes, exactly. And when we don't experience personal healing, we may think that we're doing okay, but the truth is it's leaking out all over the relationships that mean the most to us. Absolutely. And then we don't know what's going on. Right. And so we might blame other people. It's always about what they're doing, how they're offending us, how they're not meeting our needs. But we need to do the work of looking at ourselves and why we have these reactions. I love that Christmas example because it's so true. You know, instead of it being information, I love the way that you said that. Um, Mm -hmm. We take it so personally instead of it just being information. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So true. Oh, this is such a good conversation. We could talk all day about this <laughs> because it is, I, I have such a passion for women to be free from this. Yes, I do too. So much of the individual coaching that I do, we go back to mother wounds. And um, I'm so, you know, I didn't even know about your book, but I had a coaching client and I'd been working with her for, um, I think she was, uh, we'd been working probably four four months. And she said to me, I found this book and it's so good, Jill. And so um, I said, well, what is it? And she held it up on the Zoom screen, you know, and showed me. And I said, wait a minute, who wrote that book? And she, <laughs> she says, uh, somebody named Debbie Alsdorf. And I was like, I know her. I didn't 
didn't know she wrote that book. I didn't even know there was a book out like that. So, um, so powerful. She loved it. She felt like it really explained a lot of things to her, really affirmed things she and I had already talked about. Yes. But kind of yeah. even, you know, just took that uh, a step further. So, well, I'm so grateful for that. And what I would say about the book is because I wrote it with Joan, I feel like this book is such a healing journey for women. Even yeah. if you had a decent relationship with your mother, there's no perfect mom. So there's no perfect childhood. So even if it was good, this book is a healing journey for any woman. And I kind of feel like it's like getting like really inexpensive therapy for the price of a book because Joan <laughs> pours herself into bringing in the research and and the case studies and all of that. It's a, I, I'm very proud of it and I hope that it helps women. Oh, I love it. The title of the book is It's Momplicated. And uh, Debbie, where's the best place for women to connect with you and uh, and learn more about you? Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook pretty much every day. So Instagram, just my name, Debbie Alsdorf. Uh, I show up there to um, just continue processing life with women. And uh, same thing with Facebook. And I'm also on Twitter, but mostly I would say Instagram and Facebook. Okay. And your website? Is my website is debbieallsdorf.com. Of, of course, they could show up there too. Uh, there is, you know, blog, newsletter they can join, and all of the normal, regular things. Yeah. Well, I will make sure that we put all of the links uh, to those in uh, the show notes, um, as well as um, a link to pick up the book if you would like to. Debbie, would you be willing to pray for our listeners as we bring sure. things to a close? Sure, I would love that. Father, I just come to you and uh, I thank you that we have a perfect God, even though we live in an imperfect world. And even though we're imperfect people and we get messy in our lives and we hurt each other and we get hurt by others. But Father, I just pray that as we begin to unravel some things in our own lives, that you would be our healer, that you would lead us, guide us and direct us to what we need to move forward in our lives. I pray, Father, for the childish ways that we've thought or things that we've hung on to that maybe we haven't even realized that you would bring those to our attention and that we would be able to let go uh, thinking like a child, reasoning like a child and living mm -hmm. like a child because we're grown up women. Yeah. I pray, Father, that you would make us whole in you and that you would make us loving towards one another, especially our mothers, if they are still living. I pray for women listening to this that have complicated relationships with their mothers. And I pray that you would bring healing to those relationships and understanding and that for the listener, that you would guide her in how to best, ad best address um, a tricky relationship. Mm -hmm. and we just thank you for this time, Lord, and we thank you for you. And we thank you that there's always healing in Jesus. We look to you in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation 
about the real stuff of life and relationships.